We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. We're here. I wish I could keep this feeling. I wish I could keep this feeling. What up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Corner Podcast. This week's episode of The Corner is brought to you by Casper Mattresses. Casper is an online retailer of premium mattresses for a fraction of the cost. You know me and Andreas are always covering events. We're always writing articles. But when we do have time to sleep, we lay our head down on a nice, pillowy, soft premium mattress from Casper Mattresses. Casper is revolutionizing the mattress industry by cutting the cost of dealing with resellers and going straight to you. No showrooms, no middleman. Everyone's seen those creepy guys trying to follow you around the department store. None of that anymore. You get your hands on a nice premium mattress by going straight to Casper Mattresses. Yeah, man. I mean, I, I got to get my rest. So Casper Mattresses is the, is the goods. I'm telling you right now. So listen, you can get $50 off of any mattress purchased by visiting casper.com backslash the corner and entering the promo code the corner. That's one word, the corner. That's casper.com backslash the corner, promo code T H E C O R N E R. Terms and conditions apply. What up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Corner Podcast. As you know, Kel Dansby here with Andreas Hale. Shout out to the sponsors. Shout out to all of you guys for tuning in each and every week. A lot to talk about this week. I feel like last week we kind of had a little bit of combat sports and we filled the show with a lot of the extracurriculars. Today we got to dive right back in because we had a lot of stuff go down last weekend. It was crazy. And we get to talk hip-hop again. So I know Dre's going to come out left field with his uh, his hot takes from the BET Awards. Did, did it make you miss it? Did it make you say, man, I, I yearned for the days when I was at the BET offices? No. 
<laughs> Absolutely. No. It was no, worth a try. No. Yeah. I'll never miss working at BET. Um, that was an experience and it's over and I'm glad it's over. Um, it was one year, man. It was one year uh, working for a company. I'm sure it's, it seems like it's better now than it was when I was there. Um, I don't know if that's necessarily true. I don't really know anybody that works there. A couple of my boys, uh, Eric Red, who does video production, he's been there for like his whole life, it feels like. But everybody else is like interchangeable. Even Stephen Hill's not there anymore. But uh, no, watching the Hip Hop Wars, no part of that made me say, yo, I need to be back there. Mm-mm, <laughs> All right, so everybody's talking about M versus Trump at the BET Awards. M's freestyle acapella again. I think this is fourth appearance total. Either in the cipher, like yeah, because he had the shady joint with Slaughterhouse, the cipher, um, or two actually, two different ciphers, and then this. It kind of hit the world and took Twitter and social media by storm. M was being M, you know, M is dope. I think this was probably one of his best freestyles because he had a topic to stick to. There was right. less, you know, like Britney Spears, Miley Cyrus, Heine jokes. It was more like, I'm coming to spit about this, and that's always some of the best M that we hear. And we've heard him be political before. So it was only a matter of time before he addressed what's currently happening in the current climate. And I think it was on point. It was dope. But we've kind of heard other people say the same shit. Like, is it any better than YG's Fuck Donald Trump song? Well, no, that's always the problem. I mean, he did it at the BET Hip Hop Awards. He did it in a cypher. He did it when nobody expected him to do it. That, I think that was the thing more than anything else. Nobody expected him to just kind of, he didn't just go at Trump. I mean, he spent the entirety of his verse trying to bury that man. Um, <laughs> and it was dope. Uh, you know, I, I, I've seen a lot of backlash from it. The only thing that I can say is if it was Jamel Hill, Colin Kaepernick, or anybody else with melanin, uh, they would have been sent to Guantanamo Bay immediately um, as, soon as, <laughs> as soon as they spit that verse. Um, but yes, yeah, you know, Keith Olbermann, who I respected as a sportscaster for a long time, said, you know, it's the best political rap. And it's like, no. I mean, there's, there's guys like Mortal Technique. There's, there's been guys who've been talking politics for years. Emma is not the first, nor will he be the last. But that's kind of his white privilege. He kind of used it as an advantage to say what he needed to say. And, and you know, and a lot of people say it's going to take some white people to be on our side for this message to get out there and for the world to take notice. It's on the front page of Yahoo. It's on the front page of everything. Everybody's talking about Eminem. Um, so it's the, the yin and the yang of it is, yes, it's great that he said it. It's just unfortunate that it takes um, a white MC. Who is dope for people to take notice, for the for mainstream America to take notice? Like, yeah, YG said fuck Donald Trump over a year ago. So it's like, why is this, why are we acting like this is brand new? And I, there's clearly different levels, right, between a YG and an M. M is the top five rapper, arguably all time. Um, even then, if Jay-Z said it, would it have the same impact? Even no. someone on the same level. Um, Kanye West, anyone with that type of platform. I mean, Kendrick has said stuff about Trump, and I think that was in the heart part four. Um, he yeah. had his piece, and, and it didn't cause as much of a stir. It was like, oh, Kendrick says something about Trump. All right, moving right along. So, you know, and then on top of that, it's, it's funny because Trump didn't even respond. Um, but <laughs> no he bars. Takes, he takes time out of his day to talk about Jamel Hill and how she's ruining ESPN, but he, he's not saying anything about Eminem. One, I don't think Trump has BET. Uh, obviously you don't need it. It was Twitter, everywhere. <laughs> Everybody knew about this verse. You couldn't escape this verse. Like I said, it was on the front page of all the mainstream websites. And he need, he doesn't have access to a ghostwriter. He has to come back. He has to get Drake's dude that used to pen his shit. He got to do something. But, you know, it, I mean, like I said, it was dope. I'm glad to see him do it. I was like, wow, 
good good for you, Em. And then just in retrospect, I was like, damn, why can't we get enough attention when we say something like this? And it's it's and if we say something like if Kendrick says something or if Jay says something, it's spun as you know, crying black man, privileged forty million dollar black man who's crying about Trump. When M says it was like even CNN had like something on the scrolling marquee that said Eminem quote unquote buries Trump in freestyle. It's like yo, y'all even adopting our lingo now? Like <laughs> it's it's crazy, but you know, again, I wish they would. I wish they would have said it's quiet for Trump right now. Yeah, I wish they would have <laughs> said something, but they didn't. Um, but yeah, it was dope. It was dope. No, nah, definitely. Um, M definitely. You know, he he took the stand even beyond the lyrics towards Trump. He, you know, he called out his fans. Like, yeah. yo, if you're a fan of mine, you ain't with him. If you're debating it, don't worry about it. <laughs> like, I, I don't need you. I'm sure he got yeah. enough money to say that shit and be comfortable. Of course. But it's still, it was a dope stand. I don't expect Trump to respond. But would you be surprised if Trump put out a video with the instrumental and had some bars on wax for Eminem? Yeah, I'd be it, surprised. It seems like a real Trump shit to do. I don't think he'll stoop to the level of hip-hop. I think that's far beneath him to stoop to that level. I think he'll just diss him. Um, he'll say, sad, Eminem, I used to support you. Now you turn your back on me, sad. I gave you money or some nonsense. My fans are your fans. Some bullshit. It'll be some crap. Sad. <laughs> yeah. Other BET ciphers, though, happened. Uh, it seemed like Eminem took over everything. But there was actually other dope artists. I see that they lean kind of towards the younger artists this year. And a lot of yeah. the unknown people. Um, what was your favorite cipher? As far as, we can do collective or we can do individual. I was thinking. Nah, individual. we got to do individual. We got to do individual. Um, Even though the J women's I, cipher was incredible. Which was, which was bizarre. They didn't make the broadcast. It was only online. Yeah, only online, Rats, yeah. Rhapsody murdered it. It I, was only online. And that's probably um, my favorite. <laughs> yeah, Rhapsody. The, my favorites are Rhapsody, My Song, and uh, JID. JID murdered his shit. That kid is dope. Um, those are my favorite. Then there was just a bunch of them like T Grizzly. I'm like, what the fuck is he on here? Um, some of the ciphers just really whack. The other thing that kind of gets me about the ciphers is why we just use the only customer beat the entire show. Like everybody freestyled over the same beat. Isn't that how it usually is? Primo picks one Maybe. beat. And you I just... feel like they need to flip it up, or switch it up. I think it may be licensing issues. I don't know what it could be, but as long um, as it's primo on the ones and twos, I'm good. I mean, it's it's primo. I mean, uh, you, you know, once you want to hear primo spin one of his instrumentals and hear Rhapsody rhyme over it. Oh yeah, 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 no doubt. So I, I kind of want them to switch it up just a little bit. You know, M did his acapella. Uh, who else had a dope one? Uh, Boogie, who just signed the Shady Records. Um, dope. My, my uh, favorite gang, uh, Conway Black was dope. People were like black raps. <laughs> yo, I yo, I didn't know. I was one of those people. Yeah, yeah. I just thought he was an R and B dude. I expected like you know some Trey songs R and B crooning type shit. And then I was like, oh no, he really came out like he. If I didn't know he sung R and B, I would think he was a young rapper. Yeah, he's better than half these down south knuckleheads, if not all of them. Yeah, yeah. No, but I think on on air, I think my son, who is incredible, it's incredible to see my son because I mean, this is my son, lefty gun up in my right palm. We haven't heard from that dude in years. He got while. that jail jail swole, like he's got that jail <laughs> swole going too. But his verse was really dope. JID, who I can't say his name enough. That kid is incredible, man. He's he reminds me almost of a young Lu South, southern version of Lupe. He has the first time too. I heard him. 
yeah, his album is really, really good. He signed to Earth Gang. I mean, he signed to uh, J. Cole's label. Um, he's down with Earth Gang. Um, he's one of the young rappers that I look at and be like, I'm glad there's some guys like you because he's, he's dope. He's really dope. That was cool. I'm glad they didn't go for like the really big names necessarily. Yeah. You know, the, the well, they probably couldn't get speed too. They can't get them. <laughs> it was it was in Miami. You get like the whole Miami crew together because you know they do like the one old timers. Yeah. Well, joint. well, they, we didn't even see that popping this year. I mean, I guess M might have took the spot for that, but it was yeah. uh it was so cool. It's cool to see. Always nice to have the ciphers. Uh, moving on from that though, you know, with the whole politics and everything, it stole the night at the BET show. We have stuff to talk about in the NFL because we've been following this. This is kind of taken, you know, over the show in these opening segments. And then now the NFL wants to make standing mandatory during the national anthem. Make it a rule. One, I don't know how you do this when people actively have contracts already. So if everyone's an independent contractor and signed to do something specifically and it wasn't in the contract, you just can't change shit overnight. You just can't because that's not what they signed to, but they're trying and Jerry Jones has done the 180. And it's like people are shocked. Like they didn't see it coming. How could you not? Jerry Jones acquiesces <laughs> to his base. I mean, these are a bunch of guys. You got 30, what, two owners, 31 white owners, one minority owner who's an Indian. Um, collective, and I, I guarantee about 75% of them donated to the Trump campaign or support him in some sort of way. So when Trump, first of all, let's go take it back to Trump's trolling of sending Mike Pence to the Colts 49ers game and Mike Pence leaves when nobody's, you know, when people take a knee for the anthem, like he didn't know that that was going to happen. That was a straight up troll game right there that Mike Pence pulled. So that started it. Um, <laughs> and then from there it was like, oh, well, let's say these mandates, so we should, you know, take a knee. It's look, if it's your, your company, you can do what you want. Right. But you have to be more transparent than this. You have to, if you're going to do it, you could have made this mandate in the offseason. If, if this is what you really wanted to do. Uh, you could have told your players in the offseason before the season got started, look, we're all standing for the national anthem, or else A, B, and C happens. Well, now we're in a position where we're going to really challenge these players because they're saying you'll get benched. That doesn't mean they take away your money. I still get paid the same. So let's just say the Cowboys have Dak Prescott, Ezekiel Elliott, and Des Bryant all take a knee. Who's running that offense? No and, one. And no one's getting suspended. Right, but so, so the question becomes, are you really going to bench them? It's, it's like it's a really a test because the owners still have to uh, they, they have to uh, respond to how the viewers go and the advertisers. They have to appease them. If, if you've got a bunch of bums on the field and everybody that's worth shit takes a knee, this is not really a game that people are going to want to see. Or let's just say both your starting quarterback, your second stringer, and your third stringer are all taking knee. Who's going to start at that quarterback position? Are you really going to bench everybody? Are you really going to risk losing? How about we just do what we sh what should have been done from the start, and that's all black athletes take a knee. And you know what? And the white ones that want to as well. Well, yeah, I think. Well, and then your league, I mean, the league is predominantly black. You're going to crumble. Yeah, but, you know, not every black athlete believes in it. Um, and there's white athletes that do believe in it. There's white athletes that don't. So, It'll be a challenge, but a lot of people don't want to put their paycheck on the line for something that they may not have taken a knee for a year ago. Uh, what is incredible is that the rhetoric and the reasoning of black athletes that do stand for the anthem, which is cool, um, is that they don't want to disrespect their country. Yet, if we say all of us are taking a knee for our culture, they're willing to disrespect the culture. And, and to 
preserve what we are as a community. Because if we say we're doing it together, no different than they're saying everyone stands for the national anthem. It's just something that's done to represent us and respect us as a country. Cool. Now, if we're all going to do that as a subset within that, why is it okay to then disrespect us and stand? Because America is bigger than the black community to them. Like, there's people who, who value their paycheck, their day job. Um, I mean... They're car baloney. They're, I mean, they're, they're you know, hunting in Utah somewhere. Like, that's, that's a whole different level. So I had a lot of black athletes roll. I mean, it's, it's always the dream. I mean, it's always been the dream of the sellout to sell out in any way possible to appease white owners and white people. Uh, whether that's putting a white woman on your arm to only to appease, not because you love her, because you need a trophy, or if that's having only, you know, moving out of your hood and only having white friends. Um, you don't want to shake, rock the boat. And there's a lot of black athletes that don't do that. And that's not just in the NFL. That's the NBA. That's MMA. That's everywhere. So when it comes to police brutality, you have somebody like Jason Woodlock, the fuck boy who I tend to now have to call out every other day, uh, who says things like, uh, you know, it's, it's made up that police brutality is, you know, the, the number one threat to African-Americans. And it may not be the number one, but, you know, mass incarceration, poverty, there's all kinds of shit. I bet but, you he don't believe in that shit either. No, but it's like, but you have those people when it doesn't affect them that they're not willing to take a stand or take a knee. So it takes a lot for a black athlete who has worked his way up out of the ghetto, per se, um, and to say, I'll put my career on the line. Colin Kaepernick did it. A lot of these athletes are not going to do it. I mean, look at Shady McCoy. Look at a lot of these guys. And again, they're taking, some of them are taking the knee for all the wrong reasons. Now they're just taking a knee against Trump. This ain't about Trump, and it never has been, and it never will be. Um, but now Trump's taking it upon himself to make this shit about him. So people are, we're losing the message along the way. So it's a little frustrating. Hopefully we see some people on Sunday take a knee and dare Jerry Jones and the, you know, the rest of these owners to do something. You know, uh, let's, let's ruin the, the, uh, the quality of the game by benching all the great athletes who are African-American who are minorities. But I, I don't know if they'll go there, but we'll see. I mean, they've had scabs before. It's also hard to find scabs who are non-minorities. Um, it's just crazy that it, it is a divisive culture, even in aspects that we haven't really seen it, um, be publicly divisive before. I mean, you know, we got the, the occasional race rift, uh, NBA went to the dress code. People said they attacked, you know, young black men with the dress code because they didn't like the jerseys and all that shit. Um, Riley Cooper with the Eagles, all that. So we've had like instances but we've never had yeah. division like this. And it's only getting worse. As the owner takes a stand, as Trump keeps tweeting, I swear he tweets about the NFL at least once a day. Jamel Hill kind of got him off track. He's going to come right back. And yeah. it's crazy to see. I mean, you look at him, he was like, uh, oh, the, the Pittsburgh Penguins, I'm so happy to have him at the White House. Of course, they're all white. Um, you know, it's like, it's like, duh. And half uh, of them are Canadian. Yeah, and they're so Canadian. They don't, they don't know shit about you, my man. Yeah, so it's like, we'll see what happens in the NBA, what happens, I mean, in other sports moving forward, like, how far is this going to go? But this situation, yeah, it's, it's not getting any better. As long as that man is in office, and as long as there's, you know, people in Charlottesville and, and taking their tiki torches and being emboldened by Trump to say, because, I mean, it's Trump, yeah, but then there's a bunch of white people who have been waiting for that voice to open the door to allow them to say the foul shit that they say. Please don't forget um, the Whitlock-ish coons who've been waiting Yeah, well, well, this... Yeah, they've been here. And people act like they're brand new. Whitlock's been a coon for since the beginning of time. Quite, quite a long time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, he's ace boon coon. Like, that's number one guy right there. Fuck that guy. 
For real. <laughs> um, man, that, that was crazy. We saw at the UFC fights, which we're going to talk about now. UFC 216. Um, that just passed this past weekend. They had a beautiful tribute to everyone here in Las Vegas and the victims. And it was interesting to see that during the tribute, because, you know, they never play the national anthem. Right. But they had the tribute, and they decided to go with America the Beautiful when they asked everyone to stand and honor the victims instead of national anthem. I think in that point, everyone would have stood anyway. Like, it, it's for the victims. We're in Vegas. We had, you, you prefaced why you were performing it. But they didn't even want to go there anyway. They were America Beautiful and just wiped it out. Well, it's, it's not entirely true. Everlast was the one who said, I want to do America the Beautiful because the controversy behind the national anthem. And Dana White is the one that was like, fine. Dana White contacted a bunch of country singers, including, including Jason Aldean, who was on stage when the shooting started. And ripped Al- it. Yeah, Aldean said no um, and ended up performing at SNL. I mean, come on. It's, it's like it's a uh, SNL or a UFC 216 that maybe 90,000 people bought. Yeah, of course you're going to do SNL. And he performed, uh, and it, it, he was asked to do the national anthem, and he ended up doing Tom Petty's "Won't Back Down" on SNL. And yes, White ripped him and said he's not a hero, like tore him to shreds. And it just, it's just—it's Dana. This is who we deal with. This is who's the man who's over the UFC. He has Donald Trump on speed dial. He basically told us that at the press conference. They're friends, so the national anthem could have been a part of UFC 216, but it wasn't. Everlast, for those who don't know, Everlast is from Boston. He was in the in House of Pain. He has a verse on Slain the Terminologies album that's produced by DJ Premier that also has Bun B on there as well. Everlast is a rapper first and became a singer afterwards. So yeah, of course, Everlast, he got the call. He was like, yeah, but I'm not singing that national anthem bullshit. I know what the foundation of it all. If they did the national anthem, they would have kicked me out. I wouldn't have got him. <laughs> and it's not no disrespect. It's like, you are trying to consolidate two things that don't go together. Yeah. The national anthem does not need to be sung to honor the, those people who are the first responders and the victims of the Harvest 91 shooting. The national anthem is no part of that. So I just I got a vision of them kicking you out. <laughs> they would have <laughs> dragged me the fuck out because, uh, yo, I wasn't going to get up. No, I mean, I haven't. I mean, I'm, not yeah, yeah, I'm not compromised. Yeah, I'm not compromising this. Even though they caught me at the hockey game um, the other day. Yeah, they caught you. Like, me and Adam Hill are chilling and talking, and we showed up late because we were doing, like, outside stuff. Um, we mm-hmm. had to do little Facebook Lives and videos and stuff. So by the time we got in, all the media seats up top were packed. And there was no more seats, like, in the press row right. and in the boxes. So we had to stand to watch the game. And then okay. they played the anthem, and I was like, fuck. I was like, I can't sit nowhere. And I was like, oh, I got caught with the okie doke for the anthem stand. So, cause I was, like, I was like, hold on, I was standing already. So I had to, like, I just looked down at my phone and I was tweeting and shit. But uh, trust me, they caught me with the okie doke. And it was, uh, it was crazy. But that's the only time recently I stood for the national anthem. Yeah. And Not me. Yeah, nah, it's just, I mean, I couldn't just sit Indian style like CM Punk. Like I'm cutting a pipe bomb <laughs> in the middle of the hockey joint. So, yeah, it was crazy, man. It was crazy. And, uh, yeah, I don't think, you know, our, our conversations aren't going away anytime soon. No, not um, at all. We're not even at year one. So we're, yeah. this, the conversations will continue on the podcast. I'm sure we'll have plenty more to talk about as we go forward. But let's dive into UFC 216 that we were both at. The Shake Shack was popping and lovely. 
Uh, shout out to Jack Daniels Lounge as well with the duck fat fries. You know, some of us are on diets, Andres. Trying. But uh, the duck you fat fries. With, yeah. Can't say no to the duck fat fries, man. Some things you just got to give in on. And we'll just chalk that up to a cheat day. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, everything else, though, I thought it was a pretty good card. Like at, it was. At, at the end of it, it was pretty good. I'm not sure if I would have paid money necessarily to see it. But it, it turned out pretty good. The fights were good. And at this point, we're spoiled as UFC fans. right? We want the stack cards, we want the narratives, and we want the fights to be good. When, what, three years ago? It was just okay to go to an event and just have all the fights be dope. If you had four out of five finishes, you'd be happy as hell. Felt pleased, your money was justified, and you leave. Now, the Conor McGregor style of the UFC and WME and how they run it, People are upset. Yeah, I mean, I, I still think it's a problem with too many cards. I, I, I still think it's the biggest issue with the UFC. I still think they have too many cards. And granted, you know, we didn't have a pay-per-view for a month. But um, you're moving people around. Like, you have Donald Cerrone getting ready to fight in, what, like, Poland or some shit in two weeks? Yeah. Why? I don't, who gives a shit? Like, you can load these cards a little bit better. Dos so, Anjos is announced to fight Robbie Lawler Yeah. the week hey. after. Pay- yeah, yeah. In Lord knows where. Canada somewhere. I can't even remember. Yeah, but it's in Canada, and that's one hell of a fight. You're telling me that wouldn't give you you know, protection on one of these cards in case someone falls out of the New Year's Eve card or the early December card in Detroit? I mean, that's, that's the problem, right? Injuries are the issue. Injuries have been something that you don't see in boxing. Weight-cutting issues, uh, which we talked about last week. Uh, but fighters falling out uh, off of cards, and when you have so many cards, the problem is going to become you have no replacements. You have nobody that's going to be able to jump up on short notice. You know, Max Holloway, like the Detroit card is stacked. Max Holloway and Frankie Yeager headlining that card. Let's see if it stays together by the time the fight rolls around. And, and, and that's always the problem. You don't see this in boxing. How many cards have been canceled in boxing? We have Deontay Wilder, who's been cursed. He can't get anybody to stay off the, the drugs. I was about to say, that's because they're just juicing. That's not even injury-based. But aside from that, fighters aren't getting injured and falling off of cards. And, of course, boxing is top-heavy. You know, you have the main event. You may have a decent co-main event. Everything else is kind of trash. But UFC, is just they've run into this problem one too many times. Um, and this card... Suffered because, I mean, Mighty Mouse should have been headlining. He's fighting Ray Borg, who nobody gave a shit about, which we have to talk about that finish. It, it, one of the most amazing finishes I've ever seen. In, and that's in, why he should have been headlining, because if that was the walk-off of the night, yeah, phenomenal. crazy. Um, but, I mean, granted, Tony Ferguson, Kevin Lee was a great fight. It's just the UFC's biggest problem is they don't know how to promote their fighters uh, that are not white. <laughs> And I, and I say that, I mean, let's just be honest here. Paige Van Zandt, they promote it through the roof. But why not Rose Damanunas? She's about to fight Joanna and Jacek for the, for the title. And Rose has the look, the style. What is She's Rose, everything. though? Huh? Is Rose not white? Rose is mixed. She's a mixed girl. Oh, yeah. I mean, the last name is crazy. I don't know where she's from. Damanunas. Oh, but why aren't they promoting her? Like Tony Ferguson. Why aren't they promoting him? The guy has won 10 fights in a row. He hasn't lost since losing to Michael Johnson, and he broke his goddamn arm in the fight. He hasn't lost since then. Why is he not being promoted? Kevin Lee. I mean, yeah, what the hell's going on there? I don't Bray know. Wyatt My come- lights went out. Yeah, right? Sister Abigail status? Holy shit. But you look at some of these guys, and I'll talk while you're turning on lights and shit. Uh, <laughs> you look at some of these guys, and 
they should be getting promoted. And it's the reason why nobody cares. Like, fights are cool, all right, right? But you need something to care about. And if I don't care about Tony Ferguson and Kevin Lee, I don't care about the fight. If I don't care about Demetrius Johnson, I don't care about the fight. The UFC is doing a terrible job making us care about the fighters. And that's why pay-per-view buys are down. Like, Conor McGregor's self-made. He didn't need the UFC to make him. Ronda Rousey wasn't self-made. Her, her in-cage ability spoke for her and made her a big star. And plus, she was a woman. Um, which was never seen before. But outside of that, who are the stars? You know, who are they pushing? No one. I mean, to be fair, I, the third biggest star right now is Michael Bisping, right? He's in movies. Yeah. He's on he's- television every week. And he's foreign. Like, I, I, he, and he did all that shit by himself, too. Like, he's just, he has that villain character, kind of. Um, outside of that, they don't have stars. And that's no, why you can have a million cards. It doesn't matter. You can put more fight. You, you can have 10 cards total all year. And it doesn't matter because you're not going to have any more stars. Yeah, there's nobody. There's nothing to invest in. Like, you're not a mostly investing in. And we're, us as reporters and journalists, we speak to a lot of these fighters. So we learn their backstory. But guys like Tyron Woodley um, should be bigger than what they are, right? Guys like Max Holloway, who's an amazing fighter, was a great personality. But why... Why is he doing like Conan or the Tonight Show or like Sway in the Morning? Something like why aren't these guys getting pushed? Even Cody Garbrandt, he is a white boy, but Cody Garbrandt should be a star. He has the look of a star. These guys, you know, they should be stars, but they're not. Yuan and Jacek is a savage. She should be a star. She should be doing more TV. I don't understand understand. because the NBA, right? If you look at the NBA, they have, in my mind, the equivalent of what the UFC has. And that's their top heavy in stars who are ready made. LeBron's going to push himself. You know, Steph's play on the court pushed him to new levels. KD, you don't got to market those guys. But there's that second tier that still brings people out. And you're invested in the second tier. Like, people are invested in Damian Lillard. Yeah. Regionally. Damian Lillard is Mighty Mouse. Same region. He can play, yeah. Why do people come out to Damian Lillard and don't know about Mighty Mouse? It makes no sense. It's it's the responsibility of the promotion. He might have a bigger following over there, and then people grow to learn. And which what we've seen in in Lillard. Um, They're the same thing. Stipe. Stipe's from Cleveland. Everything's. I just saw the Cleveland baseball team get mad love. Stipe can't get love. Like, it makes no sense. And you can't say, oh, well, some people are foreign. Listen, Porzingis hit New York like a rocket. And people still love Porzingis. You can't tell no one in New York anything about Porzingis. At all. And you tell me Joanna can't do the same in the same market? It, it makes no it. sense. It's just that's the way the UFC is. So, I mean, you know, we can harp on this subject for a long time. But let's, <laughs> let's actually talk about 216. Um, where do you want to start? We'll start with, uh, I mean, the, honestly, the prelim card didn't do much for me. No. Uh, the Venata Bobby Green fight was good. I don't yeah. think it was a split. I probably would. I gave it to Venata like off eye, but that's fine. Yeah. Um, let's see. Pearl Gonzalez got wrecked. Let's just go to the main card. Let's talk about Derek Lewis pulling out the day of the fight. Oh, hold on! I know how to pronounce Dukenwa. Yeah, Dukenwa. He lost Fireball Kid, whatever they call him. Yeah, Fire Kid. That that hurt. Out of there, prospect. Another prospect down, but I know I pronounce the name now. Duke and Wah. Sounds like a three musketeer. 
Yeah. Um, all right, Evan Dominum loses to Dariush. Uh, well, I guess it's a draw again, right? So it's not. Yeah, that was a draw. Two but draws a majority draw is not a lot. That's so weird. Uh, well, anyway, it's a majority draw for Dariush. I thought that was a decent fight. Uh, I wasn't interested in the Barella fight, even though she tapped her super quick. Yeah, I was trying to eat. Yeah, I blinked and missed it. That was during the duck fat fries. And then now we get to stuff we care about. Verdum versus Walt Harris. Yeah, let's start with Dan Blue having to pull out the day of the fight, which is, I mean, I guess he's been battling back issues, and it makes you question, um, is he going to fight again? Pulling out the day of the fight after the weigh-in, it's always sketchy, uh, but it means there was definitely something wrong with Derek Lewis heading into this fight. So he's going to be compromised facing for doing one way or another. Uh, sucks. It's just another issue with injuries in the UFC, and uh, we got I Walt just, Harris stepping up. But I just saw Derek Lewis as well, like, you know, the hurricane relief stuff. He's picking up trees, throwing shit around. Um, that's interesting because I want to know kind of when he hurt his back. Never know. Like, did A lot it of become worse? Yeah, like... I, and I listen. Hurricane efforts come first, and I understand that. Like your your back will heal, right? You got to do what you got to do for your peoples. I just want to know um, if that had like an impact because I saw him. He's out there. He was on the streets, moving stuff and helping people and all this stuff. You know, hopefully he didn't get his back hurt during that time, and then just try to battle through it during camp. So we'll see if awesome. we want to come back. You know, he attributed to his comeback to his wife wanting him to fight. Uh, I don't know if that's financially motivated. Or she Very just wants so. him to get the hell out of the house. Like, yo, stop breathing <laughs> over me. Uh, she's like, yo, we don't spend this much time together, man. You better get your ass in the gym. But he looked in great shape. He looked, on a scale, he looked probably in his best shape. So yeah. the injury definitely took an effect. And then we see the shuffle, right? So we see the big ticket move up from the F, not even FS1. It was, what, UFC Fight Pass card? Yeah, he was on the prelim, the Fight Pass prelims. Straight into the third slot against Verdum with no training, time to prepare, and we saw the result. Yeah, I mean, Walt Harris never dealt with a Brazilian jiu-jitsu master. And uh, I thought maybe Verdum would try to strike with him because he's Verdum and he likes to strike with people. No, he knew exactly what he needed to do. He's like, this guy has no ground game, can't stop the sub. I'm going to submit him. Kudos to Walt Harris for stepping up and taking the fight. A lot of other fighters would not have done that. But, hell, it's an opportunity that you're going to get. So once a lifetime against a former champion, might as well take it. If you catch him, good. It's a heavyweight fight. Uh, but he didn't. Verdum, yeah, the fight's over. No Got punches landed, right? No, he went immediately for the takedown and subbed him super quick. Uh, I think they rebooked Walt Harris and Mark Godbeer, which is good for both of them. I know they got paid, but now they get to fight and get paid again. So good for them. Verdum, don't know where you go from here. Well, he got um, rebooked. Who? Verdum? Verdum, already. I'll Ooh. look it up. It's a quick turnaround. He uh, replaced Mark Hunt. Oh, God. they pulled. That's a whole other story. Mark Hunt being pulled from that card. Yes, yeah, uh, he does that whole event. Yeah, Mark Hunt getting pulled from that card because he said he talked about his health in an interview or a journal or something. Yeah. Where he talked about you know how bad his health was. The UFC was like, "Well, fuck you, then we're gonna pull you from the card." Like, I think he did that on the Players Tribune site. I think he wrote. Yeah, which is completely fucked up. The UFC did, just pulled him. They didn't ask him, and Hunt went off on Dana White. Uh, this saga is not ending anytime soon. Uh, but yeah, no. Mark Hunt needed to fight in his backyard. It sucks, uh, but you know, Redoon would get another payday. Uh, Marcin Tybora. Yeah, it's actually a pretty good fight. It's, for, uh, it been, it's a good fight, but uh, yeah, I, it's but like, it still doesn't help 
Verdum at all. No, Verdum, Verdum is like on the fringes of, of a title shot in 2018, like late 2018, because Overeem and Ganu, the winner of that, is going to get the title shot. And then we know how the heavyweight division runs. The shit is slow. We don't know if Cain Velasquez is coming back anytime soon. And if Cain comes back, then he fights Verdun. Like, I don't see any, any path right now for Verdun to get a title shot. Not right now. No, neither, neither do I. So, I mean, but I think he sees that same thing. So he's just collecting checks. He's yeah. probably like, yo, no one five and under is beating me. So give me whoever you want. I'm going to just fight, collect checks, fight at night bonuses, which he just barely missed out on this past weekend. But he'll probably get on this fight. It's a lesser yeah. card. He's main eventing. Probably get the sub. Get the hell out of there. All yep. thing he can't do is take a loss to one of these dudes because then he propels them. But I don't think he's worried about that, really. Um, next up, we have DJ versus Ray Borg. And I'm not calling the finishing move anything else else but the mousetrap. That is the dopest name. It is forever the mousetrap. Man. Hey, first of all, I told, like, I told betting shows... Demetrius Johnson was going to finish this fight. This fight was not going to the store cards. He was not allowing this thing to go to the store cards. He watched as the fight progressed. Like I told you, drag him into deep water, get him tired, make sure he's, he's defenseless, basically. He's not a threat anymore, and you finish him. Yeah. Ray Borg, credit to him because he stayed in the fight for as long as he could. But DJ, was he smothered him. I mean, this was a dominant performance. But the problem was, DJ was like, well, how am I going to finish this bastard? He's hard to finish. Yeah, it's tough. Went from a German suplex to an armbar transition. Um, if you watch the replay, you can see me lose my shit in the, in the, in the crowd. <laughs> well, in the immediate row. I'm, I'm sitting behind Kevin Ioli. I start clapping. I don't do that shit necessarily in immediate row. I started applauding this shit. Like, he just, like, <laughs> like it was a curtain call. It was, it was a move straight out of, like, New Japan Pro Wrestling, where, like, you heard Demetrius grunt, like, because I'm sitting, like, a few feet from him. You heard him grunt to go for the German suplex, and he just transitioned so beautifully in that armbar. I mean... This guy's the best fighter on the planet right now. I feel like if I watch that back, you're going to be like Jose Aldo's dude when he lost. Oh, when he God. just stands up and he eats the hat all crazy. Yeah. No, you'll see me. Like, you see me. I almost, like, clutch my pearls and then I start clapping because I'm so surprised. Like, because I see a German suplex. I'm like, oh, shit. A Ger- Whoa. Like, this dude just went from German suplex to an armbar transition. You don't see that. That's like some shit Nakamura would do against Okada in New Japan. Like, somebody's going to do that. PWG, I guarantee you somebody's oh, going to try to... Zack Sabre. Zack Sabre. One of these guys is going to pull this submission off. Um, but, yeah, it was remarkable. Ray Borg, was, he had no chance in hell to begin with. But he was tough. But Demetrius Johnson, I don't know where you go from here with him. He's, he's so good. Uh, nobody can beat him. Yeah, I don't, he slows down. I don't know how they match him either. Amazing performance. Um, I'd like to see him go up and challenge someone. It seems like he's going to stay at 125. It'll be interesting to see the, how the weight cut affects maybe like a TJ Dillashaw. They say TJ doesn't win, right? And he wants a shot, immediate shot at another belt. And he wants to cut down to 125. What kind of fighter would he be at 125? Same thing for Garbrandt. If Garbrandt yeah. wanted to cut down to 125. And a loss there, obviously, even if you are a champion, it doesn't hurt your belt. So you might as well. So you cut down to 125, but what type of fighter are you? Because Mighty Mouse is eating comfortably comfortably the week of fights so how how do you handle that he's too small to move up and we saw that when he fought dominic cruz he was just too small for dominic cruz and people Uh, are now willing to move down he's that good where if you people were willing to move down to say i just want the chance at notching his name on my belt yeah it's not gonna happen i don't think anybody's beating that man at that weight class so 
you know, the, uh, now the debate begins is where Demetrius Johnson's place in history is. It's not just current number one pound for pound, but is he the greatest MMA fighter in history? It's a tough one, man. We still got a long way to go. It's close. Um, it's close. I mean, it's, it's hard to tie. Like, his resume is not as good as George St. Pierre's. Um, GSP beat a lot of people at welterweight. The flyweight division is incredibly thin. There's no names that you look at that jump out at you as future Hall of Famers. Whereas GSP did beat, you know, Matt Hughes on his way up. He did beat BJ Penn. You know, he beat a lot of, you know, guys who were going to be remembered. There's something to say about being in the sport where one mistake and you're done. Even GSP got caught by a way lesser fighter because one mistake and it's over. And DJ's fought lesser. There's no mistakes. There's no close fights the past five years. No, it was Ian McCall Dodson. draw. Well, Dodson was the closest one. The the last closest fight he's had. Yeah, that was the last close fight he had. Well, you know, the Tim Elliott fight was fun, even though he won that fight as well. But, you know, he's the Floyd Mayweather of MMA. Uh, he, he game plans beautifully. Uh, he adjusts on the fly. Uh, he's not a power puncher, but he can finish you if he needs to. Um, he just says he's Floyd Mayweather without the mouth and the money, unfortunately. <laughs> this man was the third highest paid fighter on that card, which is mind-blowing to me that you're that good. Well, and he's the third. Uh, Fabricio Verdum and Tony Ferguson. They oh. got win bonuses. Uh, F- Ferguson ended up clearing 500000 Verdum was 400000 uh with his win bonus. DJ was three seventy, and he didn't get a win bonus. There was no win bonus in his contract for that fight. He, the man should be getting paid like 600000 The problem is he doesn't, he doesn't draw shit. Like People don't come to watch him fight. He's a co-main event. He broke Anderson Silva's record, and he was a co-main event. Well, he needs talk. to start requesting shit like the New York cards or something. Yeah. Just so you get some pay-per-view points, you get some interest. At least you're on a bigger card, you know. Um, and the payout will be there. I think we'll see that for the winner, Cody and TJ. I think we see them both around the 500, 600,000. Just because it's a bigger card. I don't think so. I don't think so. We'll see. We'll see. Um, main event, we had Kevin Lee battling a staph infection. Coming in, fighting through it. Uh, Joe Rogan pointing that shit out. Like he, he's a doctor on ringside. I just thought it was like some type of weird poison ivy or something. I don't know. But it's staph infection. Tony Ferguson came in. Uh, obviously fresher. The weight cut, like you said, it's going to affect Kevin Lee. It did. Kevin Lee looked good that first round, man. He yeah. damn near got the stoppage. He was The ground and pound was real. Second round was even, and then that was it. Yeah. I mean, for, Tony Ferguson is a machine. The guy is... For all the deficiencies he has in striking, which we'll talk about, you know, if he, a potential fight with Conor McGregor, the guy's a cardio machine. The guy can go five rounds, and that kind of pressure is something that a guy who struggles in a weight cut is not going to be able to deal with. And I said that before the weight cut issue. I said that when, you know, after the weight cut issue. I was like, Kevin Lee can't keep that pace. It's just it's, it, he can't do it, and he's going to get stopped. And Tony Ferguson did exactly what I thought he would do. He's just too much. He gives you a lot of like he gives you looks that make you move in certain ways that expend energy. Like Tony Ferguson knows what he's doing. He's a great fighter. The guy has not been on a winning streak for five years for no, for no reason. reason. <laughs> not being, you know he he, was, he looked excellent against Rafael dos Anjos. Kevin Lee doesn't have that type of resume. He's uh kind of big for the weight division. This is he's perfect for like a one sixty five weight class, um, but they don't have it. So. He's either going to continue to struggle cutting weight or he's going to move up and be too small for uh, welterweight. One of those two things are going to happen. Well, I expect him to move up and then maybe he just pa- you know, packs it on because it's, it's probably a luxury he hasn't had in life yet to see how big he can fill out his frame. Yeah, it's just he's small. Like He's not incredibly small. Him and Tony had about the same reach, but he's short. He's a short welterweight. Um, like If you look at I always go back to... So is Dos Anjos, right? 
Not, well, Dos Santos is not that short. He's small, but he's not that short. Like, Kevin Lee's kind of short. Like, Tony Ferguson looked a lot taller than him in that fight. And then you move up another weight class, it's going to make it tough. And, I, again, Kevin Lee wasn't the guy who came in as a ball of fire just knocking off top contenders. He kind of lucked himself into the position because everybody else was booked. Um, nothing against him, but I don't know where he goes from here. Tony Ferguson, on the other hand, the interim championship, uh, even uh, immediately called out McNugget. He called Conor McGregor Conor McNugget. <laughs> and he wants that title shot. He deserves it. I just don't know if they'll give it to him. Uh, I don't think they give it to him. I think Conor and Diaz are headed for a trilogy fight collision. Um, I think Tony loses to Conor anyway. If we're just being honest. I, I think Conor, as long as he can stay off of the ground. The only hope Tony has against Conor is to not get knocked out, take it to the third and fourth round, and get Conor on the ground because then he's choking him. Because his, his submission game is nasty. Yeah. But you got to make it through the first two, two and a half rounds. And I don't see that happening. So no, I, it, it, I think Tony, you know, ends up on the same side many other people have ended up on. Eddie Alvarez looked great, you know, after that Cerrone loss. And he was rolling off victories and top guys. And he went three, two, title shot, knocked it off. All that shit was cool. And he got worked. And I think we see the same thing if we see that fight. So um, I don't know. I don't know if that happens. I think I I really think Tony is going to defend that belt against Khabib. I don't know. It's hard to trust Khabib right now. Um, I think the only thing stopping Connor versus Nate is the price that Nate is asking for. Nate's going to have to come down. Um, and the only reason Nate has to come down is because Tony's going to take that fight for a lot less. And the UFC will make. I mean, let's be honest here. Tony Ferguson Conor McGregor is actually it's a really good fight it's the in terms fight. of the the promo build everything that's involved with it it's, it's an excellent fight um, but you know the money's with Nate Diaz but you know they're not going to pay Nate Diaz twenty million dollars they're not going to pay him ten million dollars they're not going to pay him five million dollars you know Tony Ferguson will take that fight for probably five hundred thousand dollars in a happy meal like he he's, he's he wants that fight he wants to prove himself Nate wants the money so if that's the case. They may go Connor versus Tony and just say fuck Nate. I don't like WME IMG will step in at some point and be like, we need to make money, but then they're going to say, well, we're not going to negotiate with a terrorist, and that's when they're going to look at Nate Diaz as a terrorist, yeah. trying to gouge them for all the money. Because if Tony, if Nate doesn't fight Connor, there's he's no other fight. Where, yeah, he and there's no other fight where he's making that kind of money, mm. and I think they know this, so they just move along. They'll pay Connor because. At the end of the day, Connor and Nate's going to be a big draw. But you take Nate out of that equation, you put any other fighter in there, and you put Connor in the octagon. Still going to be a big draw. Exactly. So they, they're probably going to go the route with uh, Tony Ferguson. I expect it early next year. All right, listen, I'm not mad at anything. I just want to see Connor back in the octagon. We'll see. We'll see if his foray to boxing and that time off um, really impacts him coming back to the octagon. And see if there's some, you know, there's some octagon rust. Never know.